This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 396 for the week of February 21st, 2016. What is up? Welcome to Kanzen Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzen Shu. That's right, we are brought to you this week by Google Hangouts because Skype sucks. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball, though, in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. This is so much better than it just was five minutes ago. I know. Uh, we kind of had to scratch everything and start over, but it's totally worth it. <laughs> we only made it in about two minutes and we couldn't hear each other anyway, so. No. Whatevs. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm Vegito EX. That's Heath. It's Ugio. How are you, sir? I'm here again. Uh, it's nice to not be sick, so I'm going with that. Uh, we're talking Dragon Ball Super this week. That's pretty cool. It is. It's exciting. We're finally getting some uh, new material, and everyone's excited and mad and excited, and it's just fun. What was I saying before? There's no middle ground. It's like extreme no. left and extreme right in the political world, except just in Dragon Ball Phantom right now. Pretty much. We try to go one way and the other, and be in the middle it's very difficult you really you got to reach the voter base and you know spread yourself out uh well the podcast is our chance to editorialize a little bit as i like to say and uh that is indeed what we're doing this week we're going to talk about the new lore that has been introduced in dragon ball super really just over the last five or so episodes just in the champa arc new material there were a couple things from earlier maybe we'll address those but in addition to the new lore uh i kind of want to wrap it up with a i wouldn't want to say a discussion i've been having but a couple points i've brought up occasionally and gotten a few heated responses back at and that's whether or not we are at a point where you can be critical of the Shampa arc in particular uh, here as episode 32 has just aired in Japan. Uh, that's what's on deck for this episode. So lore and are we ready to be critical about things? We say this as the people who come into your ears as often as we can to be critical about things. I, I don't really know how this works, but we're going to try, damn it. We always try. Achieve? Eh. <laughs> I don't know about that. But we'll see. But uh, before all that, we do have some news. So let's jump into the news. We have some music news. There's uh, two CDs. Well, not really two CDs. More like four CDs coming out next week because it's two two-disc sets. I don't really know what else to say other than check out the homepage in our music database for the track listings. But Heath, we did get the track listings for the Dragon Ball Super original soundtrack. And in addition to that, the Dragon Ball Kami Best, or as we're calling it, the Dragon Ball Godly Best. I don't know how much there is to say about the Super soundtrack. Uh, it's two discs, uh, 70 tracks worth of material. Uh, that's going to include things like the, the recap music, which I think we're pretty excited about, the Hedgehala recap uh, preview music. And um, looking down the list, we're actually getting into Jocko Shampa early material here as well. Yeah, just barely. Going to cover pretty much everything you've maybe mostly seen up until yeah, it, this point. It seems like it covers up to about episode 30. Yeah, yeah. In a way. It's really odd when you think about it. There's 70 tracks on two discs, and we're covering roughly 30 episodes of material whereas dragon ball kai we had like the first soundtrack came out and yeah this is covering much more material it is let's put it that way um were there anything any tracks in particular that uh caught your interest here uh, i mean for me it really is the hedgehala uh recap yeah. music nothing really caught my eye because i've heard it all so many times I, at I this know, point. it's true it's just kind of like oh good they put it on a cd i'll let mike buy that you know what track i'm waiting for
Yep, that Super soundtrack is coming. So background music from Norihito Sumitomo for Dragon Ball Super. And we are getting the TV-sized versions of Chozet Dynamic, which is at the opening, and then Hello, 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 which is the first ending theme. So let's move on from there. Heath, let's talk about this Godly Best compilation. Two discs. We have 19 tracks on the first disc and 19 tracks on the second disc. So that's a lot of material. There are some very notable exclusions here. What did you think about um, the two? missing gt songs i'm really surprised that they left them off i mean having 19 tracks on a cd like like this where most of the songs aren't that long it's still a lot of material yeah it's like that's a lot of material but i don't know if they just ran into the issue of well we don't really want to put a third disc into this set Mm, um, yeah for production value but yeah that's the thing so this is opening and ending themes there are no insert songs here on this set so we're talking things like uh day destiny from dbz 184 even uh hero song of hope from battle of gods uh battle point unlimited which we'll never see a cd single release ever again well not cd single release but just cd in general so we're not talking that stuff it's just openings and just endings so when you look down the list it really does feel like they've covered pretty much everything. You've got Hikari no Tabi, Light's Journey here from Bardock. You've got Blue Wind of Hope, um, the Blue Wind Soap. I'm so stuck in my ways of how I say some of these titles compared to I how know. we're translating them. These well, they've days. been around for over oh, so decade. long. So you can see how they were starting to cram material on here when you look at disc two mm-hmm. and you see it go from Kali music to super music to, oh, here's where the DBZ movies 12 and 13 closing themes are. So they definitely had to do some juggling with the runtimes to make things fit. So in that regard, you kind of understand why maybe some stuff was left out, but I feel like maybe you could have done either better juggling or leave off. This is how I actually feel. I feel like they should have left off the Battle of Gods and the F ending themes. It's just kind of like, um, you know, they're trying to strike while the iron's hot mm. and it's kind of disappointing because there are very few songs they actually left off. So you're like, yeah. Is there a way you possibly could have gotten these on there? At the same time, you're like, well, I guess it's GT, and I can see how the timing of this release, you really want to get super on there and probably the more recent films. Yeah. But do you really need to, especially with a soundtrack coming out? And it's just kind of, I don't know, I could see either way to go with it. I get you. I don't know. It's hard telling at this point because it's not like we were in the room when they made the decision. It's true. And I'm one of those people. I have all of these CDs. Like, I'm not really hurting for this collection, but this is just another one of those. You came so close. Every time something comes out, there's got to be something just quite off about it before. uh, I don't know how I want to phrase that. Yeah. Well, and they, they put so many tracks on each CD that they decided they didn't have the budget for cover art. So that's what they went with. Let's run down the list. Here are the tracks that are, let's call them missing. Just feel like they're very notable exclusions. Um, They fit in with the other stuff that's on here. And it's notable that they're gone because they should be here. I don't know how else to say it. So the first GT ending theme, Hitori Janai, I'm Not Alone. Um, That is not here. That's the first GT ending by Dean. Uh, The second GT ending, Don't You See by Zard. That one I'm almost the most disappointed about. I love that song. Yeah, it's 
it's a great song. And the thing about that song, I'm not sure if people know this, realize it, ever noticed it. Um, the arrangement that's used in the TV series is actually different than the arrangement that's on the normal album version. Uh, I don't think we've ever gotten the TV version arrangement on CD. Uh, I'm, I'm talking a little bit out of my ass there. Um, from what I do own myself, we haven't actually ever received that. It's just different enough. So it's really sad not to see that here at all. Um, this is one that it's like, uh, should this be here? Could this be here? And that's Orange Hero, the ending to the Jump Super Animator special from 2008. I feel like, though, if there was a time to do it, this would have been this it. This would have been it for sure. Do you think a full version even exists? I'm very skeptical at this point that there even is a full version, yeah. but I don't know what they would be saving it for if there was one. If not this. Uh, I guess we can... Do you pronounce it Jill KB? Yes. Jill KB performed Orange Hero. If I remember correctly, was the ending present? It was not present on the streaming version, right? It was not. No, okay, it wasn't it was only until on the DVD. The DVD came out that we actually were able to hear it. So this, uh, I really feel like, is one of those songs that's kind of lost to history if you uh, have not picked up that uh, individual DVD or the uh, the bonus disc that came with the uh, the special edition of Battle of Gods, the first version of Battle of Gods in Japan. Uh, and then another missing track. This is one again because everything else that should be here is here. Uh, Pure Heart by Leo Ieri, uh, the fourth closing theme to Dragon Ball Kai. So that would have been the second closing theme to the boo arc of Dragon Ball Kai. That is not here. All the other Kai songs are here, but that one is not here. So I'm going to say there's three definite exclusions and one Orange Hero being that eh, we kind of understand why it's not here. We kind of wish it was here, though. Um, that's really sad, though, because it's not a godly collection to me. Yeah. Well, and considering we still will have numerous theme songs, it seems like, for yeah. Dragon Ball Super. So, That's the thing. At yeah. least ending themes. So it just kind of makes you wonder, what are you going to do with those? Because that kind of also makes it incomplete. But Right. That's true. I feel like maybe you leave off Dragon Ball Super. That gets you four more tracks worth of material here. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four tracks worth of material. Um, that stuff has recent CD singles and new soundtrack itself coming out. So that is going to even more so make it feel incomplete like you're saying, as time goes on. So I, I don't know about this collection. It's really close to being godly, but just some strange decisions that went into it. I didn't say decisions correctly there. That was weird. Whatever. It's a podcast. I'm drinking. Deal with it. There's just an edit button you hit and it corrects everything. Oh, is that how that works? <laughs> I must be doing it wrong. Sorry. It's been 10 years, years and I haven't figured this out. Uh, Heath, tell me about King Ryu. Uh, just before the Shampa arc started for Dragon Ball Super, uh, King Ryu, who is a scenario writer, script writer for Dragon Ball Super, posted on his personal blog that he apparently has been promoted to the series composer, essentially the person in charge of all of the script writing he's basically the head scriptwriter now and uh yay that is exciting because most fans that we've heard from really like most of his story writing capabilities at least that we've seen so far in dragon ball super so i feel like clearly by watching the last couple episodes something has changed in the production of the show and i think this definitely sheds some light on that um super definitely felt like a being made by committee with no one really in charge and even though you have a producer and you have script writers for episodes i think having someone come forward and 
basically being put in charge of the show. I don't, is there a better way to describe what King Ryu's role here is? Like, he's in charge now, right? Well, essentially, he's in charge of adapting Toriyama's notes or mm-hmm. whatever he had provided them. It's, it's his job to go through them, sort through everything, and come up with um, scripts and scenarios that he can lay out across multiple episodes so in essence he is largely in charge he'll be overseen by producers and they'll have input and things like that but it's always nice to have a series composer whether something's being adapted from a manga series or you know short novel what have you a series composer just brings uniformity to everything and that's always something that's nice to have and i feel kind of like you mentioned that's really kind of what was missing for the first two arcs of Dragon Ball Super, there are just there would be points of almost discontinuity of of events of like what just happened, and you almost got the sense of nobody sitting in a room together having meetings saying this is what we're gonna do. It was just hey, just take the movies and do it, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and to just be told okay, do it, but I kind of felt like they were simultaneously going through the motions yet meandering about at the same time. Like there was no real sense of purpose to how it was right. being constructed so here's my question for you uh, his role here this has not existed for dragon ball super up until this point now right that's correct okay. uh yeah when the series started we noticed almost right away that um you know usually you have a series director who's in charge of the overall scope of the production process you'll have your executive producers your producers and then along with your series director basically his cohort is the series composer. It's up to those two individuals. Mm -hmm. So it really seems like the series director is who took charge with everything. I'm not sure if that worked out so well for them, but that seems to be the route that they went. And a lot of, um, I'll say background chatter across the internet, especially on Japanese sites, makes it seem more like he wasn't quite as involved. It's It was very producer heavy. Mm, Okay. Um, If you go back and watch just as a fan, I think it is very evident that producers had their hands in places they probably shouldn't have. And there were (laughs) some situations where things got changed very last minute, which shifted production um, schedules. And that is one main reason we got what we got. And I know people hate hearing that. Oh, schedules when it's crucial. It's so key budgets and schedules. That's what makes anime happen. And so moving forward, I completely agree with you so far. What we've seen in the last four episodes, just the, the continuity alone, uh, how fluid things have seemed, almost seamless transitions. And I think that's where Super's really going to benefit from having a series composer. Yeah. And this doesn't necessarily address animation issues, like you're saying. The, the, oh, no, not at all. But the budgeting um, and the scheduling that on that may side, also but. be something we will notice because, frankly, these last four episodes have been much better better they have, yeah. than what we've seen and um it almost makes you wonder at this point were they really just kind of they knew what they had and that some people really weren't going to pay attention they're like why put all this effort into something that some fans are already saying well heck we already have the movies why break your back to make something really great when they can build up to this arc 
where they know people are going to pay attention. But we don't know that for sure, unfortunately. Let me ask you this then. Do you think this is a response to or just coincidental with, I'm going to read the exact quote here. This was from uh, Akira Toriyama's introduction to the recent Super History book. This is from our English translation of his introduction there. Quote, I had put Dragon Ball behind me, but seeing how much that live action film ticked me off and how I revised that script for the anime movie and complained about the quality of the TV anime, I suppose somewhere along the line, it's become a series I like too much to ever leave alone. Now, of the three things there, we know for sure that the live-action movie, that's obviously evolution. We have the quotes from Toriyama that talk about that. Uh, revising the script for the movie, that's Battle of Gods. We have the entire history on that. And then complaining about the quality of the TV anime. From our understanding, again, chatter and things that have been told to us, 99.9 repeating percent chance was Dragon Ball Super. Do you think this decision to bring King Ryu into this position... Um, was a result of that. That would not surprise me at all. Although you also have to wonder, was this sort of planned? Was this, yeah, yeah. Was get past those movie arcs and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll start taking it seriously. Yeah, almost uh, that sort of thing. But um, the way it was handled almost leads me to think that it definitely was somewhat influenced by Toriyama's comment. I, you know, I doubt it was directly from the comment in the book, but more so, he probably verbally complained to someone at Toei and was For like, sure, what? Yeah is this and um he seems to lately really almost take offense to when somebody takes something too far with his series that he does not like Mm -hmm. you know in one direction or the other and he's been somewhat vocal about it which is really odd for him because he is not a vocal person he is very handsome well he's becoming a vocal person so two short questions for you and then we'll move on to the next story uh heath number one do you think we're gonna have a showdown between toriyama and yamamoro at some point in the near future where toriyama kind of brings in the band hammer and says i'm the one who wrote the show step off um it, as far as animation just in general because <laughs> i really feel like from some of the stuff we've heard from yamamura lately and some of it was the you know completely mistranslated stuff but when you go to the things that yamamura actually said i really feel like lately yamamura is almost taking too much credit for dragon ball in a way and I feel like Toriyama needs to stand up to that dude. Yeah, um, um not just just credit, but liberties. Yeah, I, I feel like he's done that a little bit. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that would tell you uh, they would be fine with seeing Yamamoto uh, step down from having such a significant role in some decision making processes. That's not just us. That's people on the production side of things too. So yes. I know a lot of people say like, "Oh, those Kanzenshu people, they just hate Yamamoto." It's, it's actually not just us and i think hate's a very strong word there all right i I don't want to get too deep into that i'm kind of joking about that and i get kind of crude about it um but my second question here for you and it's more of a point because i know the answer and i'm just because i'm moderating discussion this is what i do king ryu that's not actually a real name that is not that is a pseudonym yeah it is his uh online handle essentially um (laughs) nobody really knows what his actual name is but uh that's what he goes by he just I was trying to do some research on him. I believe he graduated not terribly long ago, and he was working on Discord's Avengers right. for Toei when they were adapting that. And that was his first series, and he started out as a scriptwriter and very quickly became the series composer for Discord's. And uh, when that ended, then he kind of started almost immediately working on Dragon Ball Super, 
And I think he did the uh, script for episode two, Vegeta, fun time. Since then, everybody's really kind of liked him. So it's not really too much of a surprise that he took over this position more of a, a head script writer sort of uh, yeah, yeah. ambiance. But the best part is so far, which is something we'll really have to see as this arc progresses out, um, he's written almost all of the story material, all you know, the individual episode scripts himself. So I'm kind of curious if he's essentially 100% taken over just the script yeah. writing department um, or what what they've kind of done with that because part of the other thing too is they already have everything from Toriyama written out of how he wants it to go mm-hmm. now we're not exactly clear on how detailed that is right right um it could just be very illegible notes of let's do this <laughs> sure. make it 20 episodes you know yeah so we'll find out i think it'll be interesting to see how things go from here but i'm very pleased with what i've seen so far and i'm hoping it all continues and I think a lot of people would hope it continues this way because this is definitely animation-wise and production-wise much more of a step up from what we had been seeing. And that was a big complaint from people almost from the get-go. All right, let's move on in news here. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Let's stick with super stuff. Um, like we were saying, the most recent episode that aired was 32. So we got some voice actor updates. Uh, spoilers, there are new characters. <laughs> I think everyone knows this at this what? point. Uh, Monaka, Botamo, and Kaba actually had... Uh, well, I was going to say speaking roles, but Botamo mostly just kind of grunted and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it was enough to get a voice credit, so that's good. Uh, Monica is voiced by Masami Kikuchi, someone that's done nothing for Dragon Ball before, so we got fresh meat here. Yeah, it's uh, always nice to kind of get somebody new, but it's also kind of nice to always have somebody to fall back on and be like, hey, I know what that guy's done. Right, but, right. Again, um, someone who's like Shampa's voice actor, been around yeah, for a long time. But it's weird because like, Kikuchi here, he's worked on so many series if you go look at his bio yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like hundreds of series since 1983 so uh he's definitely been around for a while so it's it's kind of surprising because most of the newer voices we've been getting while they are established voice actors, you know, they're not in their 60s yeah, like yeah. he is. So right. kind of a different twist. Uh, the two other new voices, these are reprisals from Dragon Ball Kai replacements. Um, who do we have here? We have Botamo is Yasuhiro Takato, who played Gerd and Yamu in Dragon Ball Kai. And then Kaba is played by Daisuke Kishio, who played Jis in Dragon Ball Kai. So um, again, in the Frieza arc, was it Apul... Kiwi, Zarbon, Dodoria, and all five members of Ginyu, those were all replaced, right? Yes. I noticed I lumped a pool in there with Any everyone. Any of them came back? No. If I recall. All total replacements. So mm-hmm. uh, a couple of the new Ginyu folks are bringing in new roles here. And I guess that's not too surprising, um, just because pretty much since they've done Kai, all of those voice actors have been around. Yeah, yeah. And... um. We haven't really seen anyone from Z that's associated with Frieza really come back. All that new round of people. All right, so just quick voice actor updates there, and we'll, uh, of course, continue to have new ones as more characters begin to speak. Last Dragon Ball Super news here. This is over on the manga side of things. Um, this is one of those stories where it's uh, we don't report it until we can actually confirm it. And at the same time, I do like to report when someone had initially said something exactly as is. So back on January 14th, um, um, this Twitter account, Anime Land, reported that Shueisha was going to release 
release a collected manga edition of the Dragon Ball Super manga on April 4th, and that just kind of hung out there for a while, and there was no listing on Shueisha's site, any of Shueisha's sites. Uh, there were no listings for something like that in uh, any of the magazines coming out at the time, and then randomly a listing for it appeared on Shueisha's site. So clearly they did receive some kind of uh, official information about this ahead of well, time. Or it, It's kind of like what happens in the U.S. all the time. There's an the actual list sent list out to and... booksellers and, you know, comic bookstores and whatnot right. of upcoming releases. Well, the way Shueisha handles it is they actually have a separate website that you have to have login information to get into. So sure. not everyone can just go look at it. That's mostly where it came from. I at least want to give them credit. Yes, indeed. That that was accurate. The exact title and the exact date. So the first volume of Toyotaro's Dragon Ball Super Manga will be coming on April 4th. Real cheap. Only 400 yen plus tax. And notice how there is no page listing yet. No. Page we do not listing. We do not have a page count. So um, yep. when I was writing up the news post, I did say that if you go by the recent Dragon Ball SD collective volume releasings, releasings, that's not a word, releases, the most recent recent one was uh, volume four, which did contain 10 chapters and then any of the omake extra stuff that had been hanging out there. Um, There's a four pager and a two pager in there. So by the time April 4th comes around, a couple weeks prior, the 10th chapter of Super will have been published in next month's issue of V-Jump. And then in addition to that, there is a two page bonus chapter from the Jump Victory Carnival 2015 official uh, attendee guidebook. That's exactly enough to correspond with what they've been doing with Dragon Ball SD. That being said, Heath, the super manga is in an interesting place where Toyotaro skipped over the entire Frieza arc of super, I guess you could say, except he just prior to that did three chapters of the Frieza movie itself in V-Jump, but that was just introductory, just promotional, didn't cover the entire movie. So I can see this going a few ways where maybe it'll just be the 10 chapters that'll be up by that point and the two-page bonus, that's a volume. It could be subtract three from that, so one through seven, plus the three Frieza chapters, and that's a volume. It could be that, and maybe he does the rest of the Frieza arc new to the Tonkobone. But at 400 yen, I feel like that's not worth the price to uh, hire him to do new manga chapters. How do you see this playing out? Personally, I think it's just going to be the 10 chapters that have come out so far. If they do include any of the Frieza material... It'll probably just be kind of an insert at the end. So we may not get all 10 chapters. I don't know. It depends on how early he gets some of these chapters done. Yeah, I feel like the easiest thing will just be the 10 chapters, the bonus call it a day, put it out. That's probably yeah. it. Um, Toriyama did a message congratulating IC Cardas trading card game. I don't know. It's like Yay. three sentences. <laughs> you can go read it on the homepage. Uh, the only other thing we'll talk about here in the news, it was a pretty busy, I guess it's been two weeks since the last podcast. So it's been a bunch of stuff. Uh, Toei is putting out two history books, a shonen, a boys, and a shoujo, a girls version of uh, 80s and 90s stuff. The boys version here, um, extremely exciting because we're going to get some round table and Q&As and talks with a couple people very heavily involved in Dragon Ball here. Yeah, this will be really nice because some of these, uh, especially like uh, Daisuke Nishio, the series director for Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, I don't know that I've seen him do a Dragon Ball interview in like a decade. Basically, since they started coming out with the Dragon Boxes in Japan, I think that was the last interview I saw him do. Did he do, I think he did some kind of maybe France convention appearance, but that's pretty much all I can yeah. think of. Because he has not come back, he has not been involved 
in anything right, right. since the end of Dragon Ball Z. So it's it's kind of nice to get some of those people to come back, at least to do an interview, get a little bit of perspective. But it'll be interesting because this is a roundtable discussion. So I'm I'm going to guess that most of it will be related to the shows they worked on back in the 80s and 90s. And there won't be too much, you know, Dragon Ball Super Talk or anything no, like that. No, no, no. But Old to get talk, him and, you know, uh, Nakatsuru in a room together, that would be pretty cool. Yep. So I'm looking forward to these books. I think I'll probably pick up both uh, the boys and the girls one. There's a lot of good shows there from Toei in the 90s. So these two books, they're coming March 25th. The two of them are just over 10 bucks, uh, 1,080 yen each share. In fact, that's probably less than 10 bucks with the exchange rate here. So uh, mm-hmm. set up all your you free You just got to pay $20 to get them shipped. Yeah, exactly. No, Amazon Japan's actually been pretty good lately, um, except for when you order Psycho Jump. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. That has been plenty of news. Enough news. We're done with the news. Let's go talk about Dragon Ball Super again. Keith, like I was saying, we'll talk about the new lore that has been introduced. There's not a whole lot. Um, some of it may be significant, but uh, we may not see its significance for a while here. But we'll talk just about the stuff from the last four or five episodes, the, the Shampa arc. And then uh, we'll wrap it up with, are we ready to start being critical of the Shampa arc of Dragon Ball Super? I do want to acknowledge some of the earlier things like the Namekian Book of Legends. Maybe that'll come into play. Uh, I'm curious, but again, we'll stick with the recent stuff stuff here. Uh, some of this we learned first from Toyotaro's manga, and it's been repeated in the TV adaptation. And as we catch up to the manga and exceed the manga, I think we have just uh, just enough new stuff here to have a discussion. So here we go. Heath, we got 12 universes. Well, we already knew that one. 12 is a nice number. It's a nice even number. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but it's I really liked the, the anime's explanation of everything, like having Whis uh, mm-hmm. really lay everything out. Uh, the visuals were very nice. Uh, especially how they colored everything. Yeah. Because yeah. it really does give a nice visualization of what's happening. And of course, the key piece of new information here is that there are twin universes, the numbers that add up to 13. That's why we have six and seven. So one and 12 and then all the way down the line to six and seven. Right. Which brings also some interesting discussion as far as uh, Shampa and Beerus of are they literal twins or do they just look alike? Well, we, we know they're brothers but right but are they literal twins because the plants are twins and then you have vados and weiss Mm -hmm. who are brother and sister so it's just kind of interesting how they play off of each other like that and then you get duplicate planets of everything we do so that's the next thing here is that there is a in a earth and earth a cheek you (laughs) in sorry in universe six uh was wiped out though the human race by an idiotic war that's uh that's a fun one that is so toriyama though yeah like hey why isn't humanity here? Oh, because they pretty much just killed each other. I love that. It's, it's not just that they wiped themselves out. He, he makes a point to say it was an idiotic war. I, I yeah. love that he throws He's that in so there. so political and backhanded. <laughs> right. Cheeky bastard. Do you feel like, and we're going to get into this more, are these twin universes too much of twin universes? Like, we got your Earth. We got your science. We got your cold guys um what else we got i guess that's got you know what hold off on that because that'll come into the can we be critical yeah yeah we'll come back to that all right so i'll keep going down the list here um the namekian dragon balls were created by being shaved down 
from this original set of wish orbs, the Super Dragon Balls. And uh, that's also why they have limitations. So the whole thing with another set of Dragon Balls, how do you feel about that? Especially because we've had GT before. What's weird, I feel like, is the fact that... uh especially in Dragon Ball Z or towards the end of the manga, you really start to get away with it from the Dragon Balls Mm -hmm. almost. Uh, They become almost, I don't want to say not important, but almost to the point where, hey, a bunch of people died. Let's just go get the Dragon Balls. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal anymore. It's just a thing that they know they can do. We know they can do. And yeah, Yeah. it's used to power Goku up as he's uh, doing the final battle with Boo there. Um, But even Toriyama's kind of like forgetting the rules and kind of fixing is what the rules were at the last second or did he really no one can ever really tell for sure there i do kind of like the fact that every time a new set of dragon balls is introduced uh except for gt they are larger and larger in size yeah so like <laughs> eventually now we're up to planet-sized dragon balls yeah so that's uh really kind of awesome but yeah it's uh, something that everybody, even at the the beginning when Toriyama made his statement about kind of what was coming up in the series, uh, what or at least what was planned, Super Dragon Balls came up and we were all just kind of like, well, I, I don't know, do we really need another set of Dragon Balls? Yeah. But the way it's incorporated in the story, I think, is, is very crucial because I think it does work out fairly well um, and it sets up this whole tournament. So it's also, again, like the Dragon Balls, while they are important, aren't crucial to the story it's more just a a way to set up this tournament they're the impetus for everything else happening all right um Um, and they're just freaking huge so it's awesome more dragon ball information these super dragon balls were created by the dragon god zarama uh, and a wish must be spoken in the language of the gods to ask the dragon of the gods a wish Uh, and then they scatter across the two universes again what do you think about more gods more dragons more god dragons more dragon gods i do like that we're getting a little more lore behind where everything came from especially now that we have twin universes and the super dragon balls are kind of divided up amongst the two you know after you make a wish they scatter between the two universes and the fact that they were whittled down or pieces of them were essentially stolen to make the other dragon balls it really kind of gives it a nice uh completeness in a way now you kind of know where they came from and the fact that we get a dragon god i don't know where that's going to go because even toriyama has said whenever he's stuck on something he just essentially creates another god another position sure at this point we don't even know yes he's a dragon god but where within the hierarchy structure of gods does he even fall or is he completely independent he's just this really old guy that's been around forever and he's called a god my thing here is i always felt like when we got to namek we got the answer for where the dragon balls came from Mm -hmm. and it never felt to me like there needed to be more information it it really did feel like a complete hole at that point and dare i say that gt even uh expanded upon that a little more just kind of like dare i say a side story (laughs) he gave us a side story of of, all right, well, what if he was still the original guy? And what if he made those Dragon Balls? What, the, what would those Dragon Balls be like? I never felt like I needed more information about 
the Dragon Balls. Uh, occasionally, I feel like maybe it would be neat to know more about where Frieza came from. Maybe it would be neat to know more about where the Saiyans came from because we never really had that whole story and it always felt like they were conveniently leaving out information, but in a good way. Like, I don't necessarily need to know the whole story. You don't need to lay everything out on the table for me. The the dragon stuff here really feels like, do we need to go there? Is I kind of thought we were okay. I was good. Like, I didn't, I didn't really need this. But all right, all right, I'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that perspective. I just, uh, for me, it's it's not so much, yeah, it was needed, but I can see how it works, and sure. I don't think it's a, a terrible workaround. There, there are definitely worse ways you could have gone, but it is a little repetitive. I'll agree to that. So what do you think about Monica being the strongest person Beerus has ever fought? Because this really goes against what um, not just what we learned in Battle of the Gods, where it's very explicit, but honestly, it felt the same way for the retelling arc early on in Super, but suddenly he kind of changes his mind like, I wasn't talking about Whis. Well, he doesn't say that, but it feels to us like he changed his mind. No, I was referring to this guy over here. This feels like kind of more of a cop-out yeah to just get someone on our team yeah i mean i guess i can buy it but i don't know i think they could have done it in a better sense as far as well Weiss is the strongest person i fought but he can't fight in the tournament yeah so you know and then go from there right but i guess it is what it is at this point we can complain about it, but sure. it's not like it necessarily changes the story structure very much. Sure. And I'm coming around on the being critical thing here. Let's wrap up the new lore information with, like I was just kind of talking about, all the science stuff here. Loads of new information. Uh, some of the key pieces here being that Kaba's wearing what appears to be, Vegeta even recognizes it as, yes, the clothing of the science from before they joined Frieza's army. And they essentially just look like Roman gladiators. Yeah, they just look like gladiators, which makes sense. They're fighting race so okay i can yeah. totally see where they're coming from here uh we had a name change here that uh emma uh pointed out to us that uh I, I i'm gonna say like i feel like i heard something but i wasn't paying close enough attention and then when i saw it put in text like oh maybe it was changed and that's planet salad from toyotaro's manga it's gone from sarada S-A-R-A-D-A to Sadara. S-A-D-A-R-A. Do you think this is one of those, uh, let's make it not literally the word itself? Yeah, I kind of feel like that was a production edit yeah yeah on toei's side probably and uh toyotaro had already done what he had done and there was no going back at that point yeah well maybe this will be a uh a typo correction in the collected edition release we'll have to be on the lookout for that it could be all right so more information here uh universe seven we knew um our I say our, the infighting among the science that led to them stealing another planet to make Planet Vegeta. We've gotten enough expanded science information that that's pretty I consistent. I love that like, every time something comes out, there's like some something about the science just stealing a planet yeah. to be theirs. Like, it's just ever evolving where it turns out it's the same planet. It's just everybody knows it by different names across the universe. Right, right. Um, And that's different from Universe 6 where, yes, they are also a fighting race, but they're the ones who are hired out to defeat evildoers. And I love how Kaba's like, yeah, we're a fighting race. That's precisely why we should be defending people. Yeah. Twins, not so much. That's pretty good. I I did like it. I, I will say that was sort of... I don't want to say like you kind of almost saw that coming. Yeah. But yeah. 
yeah. And then the last bit of new information here, and uh, I assume we'll continue to get more on this, uh, especially in the the TV episode. Frost seemed to kind of like cock his head a little bit when he heard the name Frieza pop up. Frost is actually a nice guy. <laughs> Universe 6 they're like your friends that you just want to hang out with. And Universe 7, they're like the dicks that you see at the bar. And you're like, I don't want to talk to that guy. I'm getting that feeling. And I think it's kind of funny that that's how they're laying this out. Yeah. All these heroes that you've followed all of these years. And these are your favorite guys. And yeah, they're all dicks. These guys <laughs> over here, these new guys, they're fucking awesome. You know, Jake was one of the earliest ones to call it and say, oh my God, <laughs> we're we're the evil parallel universe, and it really seems to be the case. Yeah. So that's the new information we've received so far. Um, I, I think we'll continue to learn more. So where I want to take it here is something uh, I've been a little bit involved with in discussions online lately, um, and that's with some of the extreme um, hyperbolic criticism I've seen of Super and how god-awfully terrible the new arc is here and where I'm coming from with my perspective, my analysis, my suggestion here is that you're certainly entitled to feel that way. And I think we're going to get a couple answers here of uh, from both sides of why you may or may not feel that way. For me, it's we're four or five episodes in. I'm not sure if you're quite ready to have the perspective to make that call yet. So if you think back to a lot of the story arcs in Dragon Ball, I think one of the best ones would be the Boo arc of the series, where if you go by just the great Saiyaman stuff, is that an accurate reflection of how that arc plays out if you go by even just the early Bobbity stuff and the tournament stuff is that an accurate representation of how that arc plays out and i feel like you can do that with a lot of the arcs in the series and i think what i'm asking of people here as someone who is very openly critical of a, a lot of dragon ball is we're still so early here save a little bit <laughs> for later on how do you feel about that i would tend to agree with that personally i just I don't feel comfortable quite yet coming out and just going after something that I love without giving it somewhat of a chance. Yeah. But I can also hear the other side of the argument of, well, I love it so much. That's why I can't stand what they're doing. Right, right. Um, and we've talked about that with animation so much lately right. where it's like we love this so much and yeah we understand the position it's in that Toei puts themselves in that doesn't excuse it it should be better and I do agree with that I, exactly. I don't know I think it's just something about analyzing the story part of it where it's yeah, we have some stuff and you heard me as we were going down the new lore where I was kind of coming to a realization here like hmm especially with the Dragon Balls in particular all right maybe I didn't need that but I still feel like even acknowledging that we are so early on the writers here Toriyama himself and King Ryu coming in to be the series composer there's so much imagination here that they have that I have that I want to see how our imaginations line up and where the story is going to go. I really do feel like it's too early. I, I feel like the mm -hmm. the Battle of Gods and the Frieza retelling arcs left such a sour taste in everyone's collective fandom mouths. I would totally agree with that. That they're just salivating to be critical of everything. Yeah. Like I would use your Super Dragon Ball example um where you were somewhat being critical of that saying is that something that we actually needed at this point i would almost say whether we needed it or not 
did it really change anything? Um, are, are you just picking that because you think it's something we didn't need? And how much of the storyline has it actually taken up? Yeah. I mean, no one's searched for anything yet. No one's, as far as we know, this tournament ends and Balma in one episode finds the other Dragon Ball, saves Earth. Boom, next arc. Yeah, and then we're done I with mean, Super Dragon Balls. For all we sure. know, the Super the Super Dragon Balls are just there as of right now. Just totally so inconsequential. Know, yeah, I don't know how super okay. critical you can really be of it. All right. And I think that's where I'm coming from is we're having all this setup sort of thing. We haven't even gotten really to the fighting yet until it looks like next episode. Sure. So if, if you're in it for the fighting and you don't like all this setup, I'm not really sure how you've survived most of Dragon Ball. <laughs> right. Because that sure. is what has happened. <laughs> I guess that's more where I'm coming from. Is And I've seen it a lot, especially on the animation production side of things. And I don't want to say it's getting to me, but it does get kind of irritating that it, it almost seems like a lot of people, especially people that have been around for a while. I understand people that are very new to the series. There just seems to be this, this loss of... Or cloudiness, I guess, almost from nostalgia of how great things used to be. And it's it's hard to tell somebody, hey, take a step back, maybe be a little more critical of things in the fact that Dragon Ball Z is not everything that you're saying it is. Mm, I mean, sure. it definitely did not have perfect animation. It did not have perfect writing. Some of the choreography was horrendous. Don't tell me that it was absolutely perfect. And now this, conversely, Dragon Ball Super looks like shit. Because really, if you start putting it together, it's the same thing. They're produced essentially exactly the same, except now they're using a little more computer technology. But as far as production and the setup and the script writing and all of that, it's the same. So that gets a little irritating for me because the nostalgia fact, I feel, is just blinding people to no end of why does this look terrible? Well, it's not that it looks terrible it looks kind of the same as it used to. It's just a little shinier. Two things there. I feel like I'm saying two things and then we'll move on. <laughs> but something <laughs> that's uh, relevant right now just due to a recent release, if you look at the most recent episode of DBZ Abridged, um, something I remember was the toughest part to dish out for the Doom Rider multi-editor AMV project, which is over 10 years old at this point, was the stuff prior to the Cell game. Um, watch that most recent episode of Abridged and you'll you'll see why. Because that stuff there with right after Cell becomes perfect is some of the worst drawings and worst animation <laughs> in DBZ. It is mm-hmm. so And bad. not even in between frames. I no, the keyframes. The keyframes <laughs> like are horrid. Like a keyframe of a pan up of a character. Oh, it looks so bad. And I remember no one wanted that for Doom Riders. Everyone's like, there's no animation. It looks terrible. Why would I want to take this part? All right. So then uh, beyond that, I wanted to compare what we were talking about with the this new set of Dragon Balls versus some of the new lore Toriyama was just spouting out in Q&As and interviews. Something I think to um, two examples would be like the the completely different contradicting histories for the Kaioshin. And then also, oh, no, Boo has always existed, right? And for me, that's one of those. I didn't really need it. And then the new information actually contradicts what we literally see in the series. And so I see what you're saying about the Super Dragon Balls, where it doesn't actually contradict anything. It just expands on that information. And I think mm-hmm. like 
we concluded, it may end up being inconsequential to anything at all. And it's just there as a backdrop, like the Dragon Balls ended up being in the rest of the series to just yeah. move on to other things. I mean, they're just going to hover around the planet for a while. Let's talk about this a little bit. I feel like we're definitely in the culture, and I've talked about this with um, you know week to week analyzing the animation. We're definitely in that social media echo chamber of let's, as soon as something is done, let's review an episode. And I just don't think Dragon Ball lends itself to reviewing on an episode by episode basis. I really think you do need to take that collective whole, like a, a portion of a story arc, an entire story arc. And that's why I think I'm saying we're so early on. We just don't have the perspective of putting that in context with the rest of its story arc and also giving it the benefit of a little bit of time. And maybe we will come around to saying, you know what? Maybe that was a terrible setup and it went nowhere and we were right the whole time. Just want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I don't want that to come across as don't be critical because that's not what I'm saying. And I don't know how to reconcile those two thoughts in my head. So help me out here. I think, and it's something we've talked about for years, you should always be critical of something that you enjoy because you're there because you enjoy it. And you should be critical to ensure that what you've always enjoyed stays something that you enjoy. And I just said enjoy a lot. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) So yes, be critical of things, but be, I don't want to say selectively critical, but be logical about your critiques. There just needs to be more of a, a collaborative effort of some sort of just knowing what to be critical about because there are things that you can affect or that affect the story, affect various aspects of what you may like about the series. To have one episode come out and then just go, well, oh, shit's up. I'm done with everything. This I, I've never understood that because every series, whether it's, you know, even live action TV, movies, Something comes out and you're just like, yeah, that didn't really work for me. And all of a sudden, the next episode is just amazing. So I I feel like you got to just kind of feel it out. A lot of times, things just get overhyped. And I think that's part of the issue as well. Man, you know, as I'm thinking about it, and I feel so bad because I'm really about to go into old man Mike territory here. <laughs> I think a lot of what we're seeing from the... Super, super hyperbolic negative review side. I don't know how to phrase it. Um, mm-hmm. It's the younger generation that watched it on Toonami and they had five new episodes a week and then they only had short breaks before another season would come. I'm not sure these fans have ever watched Dragon Ball and had to wait a week for another episode. That could very much be part of it. I still tend to go back to the nostalgia thing. I don't know. That just, to me, has always been so blinding and you start to get built up bias and i don't know i don't know how you get rid of that personally i feel it's it's very difficult i feel awful saying that because i never really lived in a world where i had to wait a week for another episode either but i had a shorter i don't know how to phrase it like when you go back to the fan sub days even if you bought a couple tapes um you're really only getting a few episodes at a time so Mm -hmm. while you did have another episode to watch you didn't have an endless stream and you didn't have a set schedule of when you could expect more episodes so it's just two very different histories and different approaches and i'm i don't know if one's better than the other but i think the younger fans with or or coming from that tsunami broadcast i'm i'm so sorry like it really is you damn kids you don't know what it's like 
because you just had another episode the next day if you didn't have two new episodes that same day. Yeah, and I think part of the other issue is also just being fans of different things, and that definitely goes into your review or your critiques. That's true. There's just not enough action. There's not enough this. What about Vegeta? I want fan service for this character. Are those really critiques of the entire series or just... You want them to cater to you. Like, to me, that's not a critique. That's a, well, I'm really selfish and I like this character, (laughs) so why are they not doing this for me? Yeah. It's like, that's not how this stuff works. I I don't know. I think another way to phrase it is you you may watch the show for different reasons than you did in the past. For me, I'm definitely all about the subtle interpersonal character moments these days, and I think that's why I love Jocko so much, for its dry humor and just conversations between characters. And while I still love the fights and I look forward to the fights and the fights hype me up, I'm totally cool with the downtime as well. Yeah, I like a lot of the just sitting around talking talking uh background information uh the jokes a lot of that stuff is really i i feel like popped to the forefront which i don't know if that's more because you got that a lot in the manga Mm. but very briefly yeah and now that toriyama is involved he's kind of incorporated that a little bit more so i i don't really know much about that Well, we'll start but, wrapping yeah. it up here. I wanted to read two tweets from uh, a couple days ago as I was talking about this with various folks on Twitter. Um, Ricky Bear said to me in regards to uh, should we be critical about this, says, yeah, all of this still feels like setup or at least just a little side arc, like the 25th Tenkaichi Budokai before Boo. Yeah, something I mentioned earlier is we're still so early on here. Kind of ask people, let's see where this goes before we go any further. On the flip side, our buddy K over in Japan says, well, getting a battle between Goku and Frieza three times within a year does justify it it being being critical to me. I think that's also a fair point. Um, what he's referring to here is Resurrection F, the movie itself, um, then it's retelling in Dragon Ball Super, and while it's not literally Frieza, Goku versus Frost, as we are seeing in the manga, he's pretty much Frieza. That's why this discussion is so open-ended, mm. because there's not really such, you know, there's not a definitive conclusion. And that's how we win arguments to. by presenting exactly. discussions that can't be answered. So Heath, I guess my question would be, how do we fix this? Is there nothing to fix? Well, we just destroy the internet. Okay. And, <laughs> Tear it um, down. We're done. Make sure no one can ever talk to each other again. <laughs> yeah. um, I think my ask would be hold off on the gut reaction posts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of them myself and we're all guilty of it. I think as the show is uh, airing each week, but uh, especially on forums where that stuff isn't as pushed aside as your tweet from two weeks ago maybe just sit on it a little bit i would agree with that just a little critical thinking yeah something we always critical ask. talking oh ooh, i like that you like i that? like yeah. that one i like it done I'll take your money please in the bag Heath, let's bring it to a close here. This sure was a podcast. I love talking Dragon Ball with you. I am so glad that you're here for me to talk to because it it always feels like a rational discussion, but mostly because we pretty much agree with each other. So there's really no, uh, (laughs) no, well, we try not to. Yeah. Um, and we don't agree on everything. That's true. But. We don't. Well, we both seem to like indie music, like dark beer, like the production side of Dragon Ball. Which is weird because for me, like the production thing, just it kind of, I fell into that yeah, yeah. As, as fandom sure. went on, which I think we've talked about before. It's it's weird because we've been involved for so long 
how often your fandom shifts from one thing to it another really does. Uh, to to kind of keep yourself almost entertained with what you're doing. I've had so many mini extreme phases of my fandom, things like video yeah. games and the, the background music in the series. Now I feel like I don't have any one area in particular that I'm super absorbed in. Maybe I kind of feel like I'm the spinoff manga guy right now. I guess that's it. You are. We'll just send everything your way for that. I yeah, would totally be fine. I guess I can handle that. That's fine. I, I will say uh, I am very happy that that uh, the Dragon Ball Super manga is monthly and not weekly. I know. I really am too. Because we would, we would die terrible, terrible deaths. I don't know what I would do. I have no desire to import Weekly Jump every week. So, oh, All right. Yes. Episode coming to a close. This was 396. We are closing in on that magical 400. I don't know why it's magical. It's just kind of a round number. doesn't really mean anything. We've already passed 10 years. 400 uh, doesn't four, mean much. Four star ball Goku. There you go. All right. Heath has done it once again. Wrapped everything up in a neat package for me. So that has been Heath. I have been Mike. We have a Julie we have a Jake. Um, what will our civil war be? Will it just be back into Daisenshu EX and Constantine? It might be. It's coming. Maybe like around April time. And so who's the character that we uh, rescue from the, the Fox licensing side of things that makes a surprise appearance? Oh, I don't know. All right, folks, cast your vote. Who is the Fox rescue character for the Konzenshu civil war? Taking all bets. I also offer video poker. 396.com. Forget to close, or else I'm just going to babble into additional Futurama quotes. Thank you for joining us for podcast episode 396. We hope you enjoyed listening to us in your ears and with your mind. We'll see you next time. Say-